She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is a best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 16 years, mom to four children, not to mention everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, back at you for another fresh, totally revamped podcast. You guys, I hope you are enjoying this as much as I am. We have some awesome things to get to today. We are introducing, and I want you to stay tuned for this, a new question segment at the end of the podcast. So you guys ask me so many questions all the time. We get so many questions every single week from you guys, and it's it would be impossible for me to tackle every single one of them. But a lot of them have the same flavor and the same flair. So a lot of y'all are thinking the same thing out there. So we are going to do a question segment every single podcast from you that you have either commented on our social or that you have emailed us. You can email me your question at hello at autumnmiles.com. That's coming up at the end of the show today. But today we're going to talk about the number 40. I am really big on numbers in the Bible. They represent a lot. And you may or may not know that I just turned 40. And man, I have a lot to say about the number 40. I've actually been looking forward to this for a long time, turning 40. And here I am. So fresh off the 40 truck, we're going to have a good time talking about that. That's going to be coming up after the break. But I want to cover for all you moms out there, I want to talk about your kids. Last night, here I am. Listen, I mean, I was tired last night. I'm just going to be honest. Any exhausted moms out there that have four kids but feel like you have 20? I was exhausted last night. So yes, I did not put my kids to bed. I did not do it. No, I did not. I looked at my husband and I was like, I love you. I'm tired from partying all weekend. My husband threw me a surprise party. I had my best friend fly in from Phoenix, which was so awesome. I'm tired. All I want to do is lay in my bed. And you guys, our bed is so comfortable. It's ridiculous. It's like memory foam on top of memory foam on top of memory foam. I like a soft bed. So anyway, I'm in my bed. I say, Eddie, go put the kids to bed. And of course he does that because I usually put the kids to bed. So it's his turn. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's his turn. He needs to do it. So he goes and he puts Moses to bed and Moses goes down like you would not believe. Like we put him down and I walk in there to say goodnight to him because I do kiss him. If I don't put him to bed, I do go in there and kiss him and pray over them every night. But my daughter Haven, who is five, now. I want to say this. We do not put my teenager to bed. Uh, She puts herself to bed. And my 12-year-old also puts herself to bed. So just so you know, we're not weird. So anyway, my daughter Haven, she does not go to bed immediately. She, we call it me time. We put her to bed. She is a night owl. She takes after really my husband. My husband can stay up super late. But Haven, my five-year-old, is the same way. So he puts her to bed last night and she proceeds to have me time, alone time, where she lays in her bed. I actually don't know what she does in her bed. Sometimes we'll go in there and they'll be like all like stuffed animals in her bed. She has like 50 stuffed animals. Sometimes we go in there and, you know, there's no sheets on her bed because she wants to take the sheets off her bed. Sometimes all of her Barbies in her bed. You just, you just never know. But we are putting her to bed and we have learned about her that it takes her a little bit longer to go to sleep. Last night, 
I'm laying in my comfortable bed, exhausted. And all of a sudden I hear my five-year-old screaming, mom, 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 like super loud. And so I know, okay, before she goes to bed, she wants to talk to me. And so I get up, I go upstairs, I sit with her. She does one of those, like, you know, when you you grab the face of someone with both of your hands. So she puts my head in her hands and she draws me in right to her face. And she looks at me and she kisses my cheek. She's a cheek kisser. And she says, Mom, Jesus died for you on the cross. And it was like, I was not expecting that. Like I was, I didn't know what I was going to expect. I, 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 You never know what's going to come out of my five-year-old girl's mouth. But what absolutely was precious to me was she called me multiple times. She had something that she definitely wanted to say to me. And it was something that was very evangelistic in nature. Mom, Jesus died for you on the cross. And she proceeds to say multiple things like, how many crosses are there in the world? Yeah, I don't know how many. She's I wear a cross necklace, so she's like obsessed with crosses. How many people have died on crosses in the world? And then she said, who would hurt Jesus? And why did they do that? You know, and then she said, I am very sad that Jesus died on the cross. And so she's talking. She clearly had Jesus on her mind. And I took that opportunity because she's only five years old to say, you know, Jesus died for your sins. Everything you did wrong. We got to put it in five-year-old terms, mamas. Everything you did wrong you know, he was perfect. He was just like Moses's mommy's son and Judah's mommy's son. Jesus was God's son and God sent him because he loved you so much and to die on the cross for everything you did wrong. And she was like, I know, I know he lives in my heart. It was just so matter of fact, I know, I know. And I'm like, well, where, when did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? And she went to a, a private school for preschool here in Dallas. And she said the name of the school. And um, she was like, yeah, I did that then. Like it was so matter of fact. But last night, I found it so precious that she called my name multiple times when I was tired, exhausted, and I could have very easily said, you know, Haven, go to bed. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. But I was compelled by the Spirit to get up and to go upstairs and to sit with her. And she grabbed my face in her hands, pulled my face all the way to her face, where there's like not even an inch between our faces to tell me that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I couldn't get over the fact that moms, you know, in this totally crazy, insane world where we right now, a lot of us are just annoyed because of everything that we're having to do. I want you to not forget to lean in Don't forget that sometimes our five-year-old kids can minister to us on a really, really deep level. Take that moment. Be one-on-one with your kids. And, you know, those of you with one kid, sometimes I envy that because I, I have, you know, multiple ones. And it's hard for me at times to get one-on-one really good conversation with all four of my kids in one day. But I just feel like sometimes we need to pause. We need to hear them. 
I think sometimes the urgent necessity to get somewhere fast or to eat this or to do this or, oh, we've got to we've got to do this today. We've got to go to this game. We've got to go to school. You got to go get poster board for a ridiculous poster. Sometimes we just need to slow down when our kids say, mom, lean in and hear what's on their heart. Take a minute today because sometimes what's on their heart is a big, big, big deal to them. And uh, last night I, you know, left the room almost in tears because here my daughter needed to tell me that Jesus died on the cross for me. And what if I didn't listen? What if I didn't hear that? And she needed so desperately to say that. So that's my opening thoughts today. Take a minute and lean in to that kid today. Lean in when he says, mommy, lean in when they tell you a story that doesn't really make sense because it makes sense to them. Lean in when they say, I have a nightmare about four zombies. Lean in and listen because it might sound crazy to you, but to them, it's a really, really big deal. That's my opening thoughts. I'll be back in just a second to talk about the number 40 and what it means. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. I am really excited to talk to you about what I want to talk to you guys about today. I mentioned earlier that numbers are important in the Bible, okay? The number seven is a really big deal. The number 12 is a really big deal. The number three is a really big deal. And I have sort of followed this along when I realized that numbers oftentimes represent something very significant in the scripture. I started studying the theology of numbers or numerology. It's fascinating what you can find when you dig a little deeper in the Word. And for those of you that have been following along for a long time or that have been downloading the podcast or listening to the radio show, you know that I like to dig. And from, I would say, about 38, I've been looking forward to turning 40. I really don't know why. I I think it's just sometimes God just gives you a prophetic view of your future and what it will be like. And I believe that that is kind of what he's given me for my life. But I wanted to kind of look at the number 40, what it represents in the Bible and make it practical, not just for me because I'm turning 40, but also make it practical for you. I, I find it very interesting that I'm turning 40 in 2020, which 20 plus 20 
would be 40. I also found it very fascinating as I was talking to Cassie about this podcast last week that the week that we are in right now is the 40th week of the year. So there's a lot of 40s going on everywhere. And it really tells a story. When you look at these specific numbers in the Bible, 40 specifically, it tells a story about what God could be doing in your life at the time. Now, does it always tell the story? No. Okay. But are there sometimes that it does? Yes. Now, Looking at the number 40, if you look at the definition, and this I'm going to geek out on you guys for a minute, but 40 in the Bible represents, it's, it's in the Bible 146 times in the scripture. It represents or symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation, okay? You can look all throughout scripture, and I want to read you some of the things that actually happened to revolve around the number 40. I find it absolutely fascinating what you can find. You see Moses, Elijah, and Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. You remember when Jesus went Right before he started his public ministry, he went and he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. You know, that represents 40. Moses was 40 when he fled Egypt and he went and left and became a shepherd. He spent 40 years as a shepherd to his father-in-law's sheep when Jesus found him. So he was actually 80 years old, which is 40 plus 40, when he went before Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. The Israelites then wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, okay? Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, hang with me here, laid on his right side for 40 days to bear the iniquity of Judea's sins. Three kings reigned for 40 years, Saul, David, and David's son, Solomon. Goliath taunted Israel. Remember David and Goliath? Remember that Goliath was enormous and everyone was scared of him? Goliath taunted Israel for 40 days before David stepped up to the plate and took a little pebble and swung it and killed Goliath, okay? God destroyed every living thing on earth by flooding it for 40 days. Remember Noah and the ark? They were on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. There's like songs written about it. I mean, it's crazy. So when we look at this number 40, it represents something in the scripture. Like I said, when I started, if you're zoning out now, this should be really cool to you. Hopefully you're learning something today. It's the theology of numbers, numerology. And so when I turned 40, learning that 40 represented a period of testing, trial, and probation. It started me thinking about Jesus, God, tests us. He tries us. And I just read to you many examples of multiple people in the Bible that were tested. They were tried. 
And I think we don't talk about this enough today in the world, but I, I think it's so interesting that I'm literally recording this podcast on the 40th week of the year in 2020. And if we look back on this year and we see everything that has transpired, I mean, the beginning of the year was kind of like, blah, whatever, life as usual. Corona blew in. It didn't just test us mentally. It tested us economically. It tested our school systems. It tested our faith. It tested the medical systems. It tested the churches. It has blown in and it has tested literally every portion of our society externally and internally. I was just reading a report about how suicides are up. I, I can't remember the number, so I'm not going to throw it out there because the number in my mind could be wrong and I don't want you to email me and tell me you hate me. But the amount of testing mentally and emotionally that has gone on during these last 40 weeks of this year have been mind-blowing. And this actually is something that God uses in our lives. You look at Jesus. Now, he was tempted in the wilderness as he was fasting and praying for 40 days, but he was also being tested by God. He rose above the temptation and he was able to show the devil exactly who was in charge. He rose above the test. He rose above the trial. Now, he wasn't being tempted by God. He was being tempted by the devil. I want to make that distinction. But it was also a test, a season of testing, a season of trial for him. And we look at, at this past year and, and what we've come through, we see that there has been a season of trial, a season of testing for all of us. And I want to let you know that this is actually a part of the life of a believer, seasons of testing. Not everything is from the devil. Some things God wants to test our faith. As a matter of fact, let me read this passage from James, verse 1, 2. It says, consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of it produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect Result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That tells us, James is telling us, and, and for those of you that don't know, James was the half brother of Jesus. And he's he wrote the book of James, a very small book. It's only five chapters. It is amazing. It is filled with more wisdom than you can even imagine. Get in the book of James and study it. But he is telling us right here, consider it joy because you are going to go through seasons of testing. You are going to go through seasons of trial. You are going to go through seasons of 40 means pro probation. You are going to go through those things. And when you go through those things, you gain something from those seasons. He says right here, consider it joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. These last 40 weeks and this year, from January 1 until now, I just think it's fascinating that I'm recording this in the 40th week. 
It has produced something in you that you did not have in 2019. It has tested you. And you know what that testing is. You know, when we went away to San Antonio for uh, my spring break with my kids, there was like a little rumbling. It was the first week of March. There was like a little rumbling of COVID-19. Like, I don't even think they were calling it COVID-19 then. I think they were talking about the coronavirus. And we went away and I didn't think much about it. I honestly, when we went on our trip, was sick. I thought I had the flu. I might have had the coronavirus back then. But anyway, there's, there's certain little rumblings about this coronavirus. We come back from spring break And we get an email from the school. I'm not paying that much attention because I got a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not really paying that much attention to the news. We get an email from the school that says school is canceled for another week. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. An elongated spring break. Wow, this is great. Okay, awesome. I'm going to have to cancel everything that's going on next week. And work-wise, I'm excited to spend time for my kids. Yeah, that turned in to three months. Now, The first week didn't test me very much, but the first month, you bet. I was like, what in the world am I going to do? And then it turned into another month, and then it turned into another month. And uh, we were worried that it was going to happen at the beginning of this year. And thank God our school allowed them to come in person from the first day on. But it tested me. That tested me. That tested my patience. That tested my flexibility. That tested my control. That tested my my trust in the Lord. Lord, what is happening? What is going on? What is blowing in here? Is this virus as bad as they say that it is? Like we didn't know much about it back then. We know more about it now, but it tested me. And I can tell you that the things that have been produced in me as a result of these last 40 weeks are good things because I had to face some things about my life about where I was that I needed to work through. 40 represents a season of testing. And I bet you're looking at your life and you're thinking, wow, God hates me. No, that's not true. Or wow, God's really forgotten about me. Some of you might be thinking that. Or wow, where is God? He might just simply be testing you. Where's your faith? Do you still believe me when things look chaotic? Do you still believe me When things look out of control, where are you at with me? Because there's something greater than your confusion right now at play here. God wants you to press into him, not pull away from him. He wants you to press in. And those periods of testing that he does allow in his goodness, it is a good God that takes us through a season of testing to show us exactly where we stand with him and in our faith. It is a good God that does that. And maybe he's asking you, where are you with us? Where is your faith in this moment? Do you trust that I am going to take care of you? Do you trust I'm going to take care of your kids? Do you trust I'm going to take care of your family? Where are you right now? It's not that God's abandoning you. No, he's very active and testing where you're at. He did this with Abraham. He did this with Jesus. He has done this with me a lot of times. And it's always producing something in me that is good and that I need for my future. As I look to just this 40 
and what this represents. It's one of those things where I really hate the Instagram post, uh, just to move on. I really hate the Instagram posts that are like, oh, I'm turning 40. And, you know, everyone gets like Geritol and all of those kinds of ointments and stuff like that, that you can go to Target and get when you get old. People throw these 40th birthday parties and that's what they get is gifts. Like, you know, the, the diapers, some people gift and they think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. A couple of years ago, when I was thinking about turning 40, in my mind, I was resolute. I knew what 40 meant. I knew that I would be coming out, hopefully, of a season of testing, a season of trial, almost a season of probation. And I know that a lot of these things that I've experienced as I look back on the last 40 years have prepared me I believe this by faith because I'm 40 and two days. I believe that what I've been through up to this date has prepared me for where I am going in the future. And these people that have these 40th birthday parties where they're giving all these weird ointments, I didn't want any of that. I don't want any of that at my 40th birthday party. I didn't have it. As a matter of fact, all my friends are super gorgeous and young looking and they're all over 40. And we had a great time just celebrating the fact that I was turning 40 but that is my mentality moving into this next season of life. I believe that I needed to go through some of the trials that I went through. I needed to be tested by God and not that the testing is over, but I believe that I'm moving into a different phase of life. And that's exactly what happened with the children of Israel and Joshua. Here, the nation of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, they came out of Egypt. Moses assumed command. He led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Then he goes and dies. And Joshua takes command. And they end up, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they end up marching into their promised land. So they've been tested, tried, put on probation, literally put on probation by God for 40 years. And they go and they march into the promised land. I want to leave you with this before we get to our question today. I think this is so fascinating to me. It says, right before they marched into the land of Canaan, it's in Joshua, let's see, 6 verse 12. Now Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priests took up the ark of the Lord. I love that they took up the ark of the Lord. They did not leave the ark of the Lord at the camp. They took the ark with them. They knew in order to march into this next season of their life, they needed the ark of the Lord to be with them. They did not leave it. They took it. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. Hang with me. While they continued to blow the trumpets, thus the second day, they marched around the city Jericho once and returned to the camp, and they did that for six days. Then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner, seven times only. On that day, they marched around the city seven times, verse 16, and at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, 
for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot, which I wrote a book about her. Y'all need to go pick it up. And all who are with her in her house shall live because she has hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, Keep yourself from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take them. And then we know the walls of Jericho fell flat. And as I'm thinking of this time of testing that I've been through these last 40 years, and it represents to me very on a personal level, I think, like I've said, about these last 40 weeks. And I believe we're transitioning into a different season. I think we're coming out of that season of crazy. I believe God is saying to us exactly what he has said to the nation of Israel when they marched into the land of Canaan and took Jericho. I believe he is calling us to a period of revival. I believe he is shifting our lives during this time. And I want that to be your perspective. The word that God gave me on my birthday on Saturday was this, march into it. March into this next season. I want you to march boldly and courageously, knowing that you're carrying me with you into this next season of your life. So let me challenge you today. Those of you that feel like you have been tested to the point where you feel like you are going to break, let me tell you, I believe that God is calling you out of that season. And I believe that he is saying, I want you to boldly, courageously shake it off. Trust me and march into this next season. Be bold about your faith. Be bold because God has given you this land. He has given it to you to take. You've got to possess it. March into it, knowing that the Lord marches with you. What happened to the nation of Israel? They were victorious. They dwelt in the land of Canaan that was promised them. And I believe that he is calling that out of us right now too. I hope this encouraged you guys today. We're going to throw it a break right now. And I'm going to come back after the break with a question. But that's the mentality that I think we should have right now. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. 
Okay, so new segment, which I'm very excited about. Question from a follower, which we have right here. And unfortunately, we did not get her name, but we will get her name in the future. So if you send us a little question at hello at autumnmoz.com, or if you message me, DM me on my socials, maybe we'll pick your question. So we want to pick a question that pertains to what I just talked about. And this actually came in this last week, and it is per perfection for what I was talking about. Here's the question. What type of heart attitude would you say aging has produced in you? How has your heart attitude adjusted or changed with age? You know, there are so many different ways that I could answer this question. I don't feel like I'm ancient, but I do understand that one day I will be as my numeric age gets greater. I actually welcome it. Like I said, in sort of the message of this podcast today, I used to dread it because I thought, wow, 40 year olds are really, really old. But the longer I sit with the Lord, the longer I glean from his word, the longer I see in the things that I have had to face myself that every time, every single time he's come through. And the longer I work with younger people, the more I realize that they are looking for older people to speak into their lives. They're looking for older people to say, I haven't been through that trial yet. Are you sure that God is faithful? And I can turn around and very declaratively say, yes, I can. He comes through. He does what he says. So as I look towards the future and just aging and and getting a little bit older, I'm actually excited for the foundation these years have built in my life. I'm excited to build on what God has already built. I think we are living in a day and age when we need people to stand up and to be bold. We need people to speak truth in in a loving way. And I think that when you're younger, you're a little bit more timid to do that because you care about what everybody thinks. I don't really care that much anymore about what everybody thinks. I care about what God thinks about me. My perspective has shifted so much over over the years. I wanted to please people for a while. And then that got old because I realized you can't really please people even when you're trying to appear away. And then now I just don't care. I don't care about what people think. I care about what God thinks about me. And I want to speak boldly in a loving way into the world, into this generation, and hopefully help to raise up people along the way to do the same thing because our world is absolutely desperate, you guys, for the older generation to speak out. So I welcome it. I'm marching, like I said earlier, I am marching in to uh, God willing these next 40 years. I'm looking ahead with eyes of hope, knowing that the manna from yesterday is not going to feed me anymore. I need to till my own land. I need to till my own soil like the nation of Israel had to do once they crossed into the land of Canaan. The manna doesn't work anymore. I've got to till. I've got to work. I've got to build. And I'm very excited about where I'm going. I believe now more than ever what God has called me to do. And I believe he's calling more boldness out of me in these next season of my life. So my attitude has changed. I used to think that 40 year olds were old. And now I feel like I am, I don't feel like I'm just getting started. 
That's not how I feel. People say I'm just getting started. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm just getting warmed up. I'm just getting warmed up. I've got enough life under me not to be so stupid, but I I know that sort of the warming uh, and the opportunities that God has already given me are going to prepare me for what's coming next. So that's how my attitude has adjusted and has changed with age. I look forward to it and I look forward to growing older with my husband, growing deeper with my husband. I love watching my kids grow up. So I'm actually welcoming it. Thank you for your question and thank you for listening. Guess what? New podcast coming next week. You do not want to miss it. We're going to get in the word once again. Love you guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of The Autumn Miles Show.